Well, here we are. Memorial Day weekend, we're rounding third, we're about ready to go into a head first slide and we are wrapping up our time of study of James. And for those of you who have been with us through this process, uh, this was kind of a humbling text for me. I'll just be honest, I met with Tom many, many weeks ago and I said, Tom, how do I stand in front of people and talk to them about doing things that I have not done a very good job of myself throughout my 60 years of living. He said, that's perfect. You're just the guy they need to hear from. So I'm just going to tell you in advance, every time I ask you to do something, trust me, I have prayed and begged myself the last four weeks I've been preparing for this, the exact same thing. So I'm not pointing any fingers that we never want to cross, as a teaching team, we never want to come across as preachy, but boy, this morning, I'm right in the mix of everything I'm asking you guys to consider, everything I'm asking that the Holy Spirit puts onto your heart, he's been putting onto my heart as well. So throughout our teaching in James, um, it's been interesting because we've been learning a lot about right relationships and about the power of prayer. And I'm so thankful for the songs that Mike chose for us to sing, just the power of Jesus' name. So I think it's gonna be a wonderful way. We've learned a lot about the power of the tongue and how that can be negative, but I think you're gonna see a real correlation as James ends his book, as he ends his teaching time in this letter. I think it's very powerful what he's trying to say to us, what we can do in right relationships and what we can do with our tongues. So I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles if you brought them with. I think there's some in the back. There usually are your devices, whatever that is. We're going to be reading from James 5. We're going to look at verses 13 through 20 today. James 5, 13 through 20. Is there anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want to pause for just a second. Remember, if you have listened to any of Kevin's teachings over the last 25, 30 years, as long as he's been with us, his definition of righteous is right relationships, a right relationships with God and a right relationship with our brothers and sisters. So the end of that verse said, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Verse 17 goes on, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three, three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, or someone should bring that person, someone should bring that person back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Today, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the feeling I want you to have. Today, I think James is giving us an invitation. 
He's giving us an invitation. He's giving us a picture of what Jesus' community, we've talked about Jesus' kingdom a lot in the last year and a half, couple of years, but he's talking about an open, a vulnerable, and a healing community. That's the kind of community that Jesus wants to create with those of us who are calling ourselves his followers, his disciples. And it's really kind of interesting as you prepare to teach like this. Two weeks ago, I asked Kevin this question as he was preparing for his uh, message over in the, in the uh, sanctuary. I said, Kevin, could it, would it be a stretch I know that typically Bible scholars talk about the healing that James is talking about here, that it's a physical healing. But I said to Kevin two weeks ago, I said, is it a stretch for us to think that we as a society are the sick ones? And look what happened this week. One more piece of evidence. That we need a healing. We need a healing. Now we know, if you've been in church at all throughout your life, we all know, we've heard of, or at least we could probably rip off a few of them, the one and other commands that have been given us throughout the New Testament. Jesus is giving us the beauty of what his kingdom can be, and he's giving us that in a world that is saying, who gives a rip? You know, it's things like love one another, welcome one another, serve one another, forgive one another. Today, I think James is giving us a place to start. Because who amongst us this week in particular, maybe you didn't verbalize it, but in your own mind may have said, almost thrown your hands up, like, where do we even begin? Where do we start? How can we have any kind of an impact on our world? I think we're seeing a little bit of a hint today. That's the invitation for us. If you remember back to week one, if you're part of this auditorium family, if you remember back to week one, Tom encouraged all of us. He said this, he said, take a small step toward growing as a disciple. Take one small step. And that's what we've been talking about for weeks now. So I'm gonna give you perhaps one small step that you might consider doing as a disciple of Jesus. It's interesting because in the Western culture, our faith, if you will, has been hyper-individualized. It's all about me, it's about my relationship with Jesus, and I'm not saying those aren't good things, but, but I think we're missing a huge part of what James and some of the other early writers of the New Testament, what the early church seemed to get was that it's not just about me and my relationship, it's about all of you. Interesting tidbit. Did you know that Paul, in all of his letters of writing, he wrote the word, our Lord, 53 times. He wrote the words, my Lord, once. Hmm. Hmm. There's got to be something about community and healing that we might be missing. Faith, my friends, 
Faith is a community activity. Bottom line, it is a community activity. So again, I'm just going to say some real basics right out of the chute. We do all need this reminder. Some, sometimes we forget these things. Whatever shame you brought in with you today, whatever regrets are screaming at you, if you fear you've crossed that line that Jesus can't forgive you, can I just tell you one more time? Jesus loves you and he will forgive you if you confess your sins. He didn't trivialize sin, but he died for them. His grace, his grace is the reason that we can confess our sins in the context of healthy community. Jesus has this idea of a new community. What we as disciples should be looking to do, it's one of confession, it's one of vulnerability, it's one of honesty, it's one of prayer, it's one of healing. And as I said just a moment ago, sometimes, yes, it is about physical healing. Sometimes it's about a spiritual heart healing that not only individually, but maybe as a society. We need a healing, my friends. We need a healing that the only way we can account for it is that God answers prayer. When we look at our society, when we look at some of the craziness that's going on, when we look at some of the hurt and the pain, we need a healing that only God can heal. So starting today, my encouragement to us, right here with this little community and whoever might be watching later on, today I want us to start with a whole new lifestyle. For many of us, this is gonna be maybe a big step, maybe a little step, but it's a step. I'm gonna invite us. Notice I'm including myself. I'm gonna invite us to confess your sins, my sins, to a trusted brother or sister. So that we can pray for each other, so that we can hold each other accountable, so that we can be healed. It's interesting because Kevin and I had this conversation. He said he had asked multitudes, many people, over a week's period of time, how many people were doing just that? And I had to throw myself in with the majority of his responses was, eh, not really, maybe, sort of, once in a while, if things get bad enough. I'm gonna encourage all of us to think, to maybe take a baby step, so here's my question. Here's my question. To whom? To whom do you confess your sins? Yes, I know you can confess them to Jesus, and you should. I'm not saying that. But to whom do you confess your sin? Because there's something about the vulnerability of confessing your sin to somebody else. I don't know about you, but there's something about my sinful nature, that I can confess a sin to Jesus, but I don't necessarily repent and turn and go the other direction. But if I confess a sin to a brother the few times I have over my lifetime, there's a little bit of healthiness in my being that vulnerable that somebody else knows my junk. 
My friends, that, when we can do that, that's what real community is all about. So I'm going to ask again. I'll ask this side of the room. To whom are you confessing your sin? Do you have that somebody that you can trust? Do you have that somebody that you can bare your soul to, that you can say, I need some help. I need to figure some things out. I'm struggling with. I was tempted by, I did this. Who is your person that you can go to? As I said, I've done this some. But my big question to myself literally was, why don't I? If, if, if it brings freedom, and if it can ultimately bring a community and, a, and breaking down wall, why don't I? And I think I'm going to guess that I can answer for many of us that don't do this. Pella kid, born and raised, business guy for all my working career. People sort of know who I am just because I do things like this. I do different things that people kind of see. I'm just proud. I'm just a proud guy that if I go to Jared, he's going to know I'm not perfect and oh my. How do I handle that? I'm proud and I don't need help. I can figure it out. Maybe that's, maybe this is a bad thing to say, but that seems to be what a lot of us guys seem to say. I'll figure it out on my own. If it gets bad enough, that was me. If it gets bad enough, then I'll get some help. And you know what? I'll share the elephant in the room with you. It is embarrassing, or it can be. But that's not necessarily a bad or an unhealthy thing. In a time when we who are followers of Jesus are being pushed to the margins of society, and we've talked a lot about that the last couple of years, when the world looks at us and a majority of the time their number one response to anything we have to say is that we are hypocrites. In a world that is so divided on nearly every issue, in a world that's filled with rage and hate, and we're pointing fingers. My friends, we need to figure this out sooner rather than later. We need to figure this out today. Even if it's a small step, we can be different. That's where the power of Jesus' name, that's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in. We can be set apart. <clears throat> Ephesians talks about this in Ephesians 5. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. How do you do that? How do you live as children of the light? Break down the walls and being honest with each other, I think is a baby step in that right direction. I believe James has given us the clue. It starts with humbly confessing to each other. And then praying for each other and blessing each other. So I'm going to ask this side of the room. Who do you confess your sins to? Who's that one person or two people 
that will hold you accountable. Today, my friends, it's quite simply this. Today is the day we cross the line from guardedness and holding back and apprehension. And we're going to cross it to where we trust the Lord. Where we trust a brother or a sister. And we go to this place of confession and honesty and being real together. More I thought about this the last few weeks, and in particularly the last three or four days, this one question fired me up. What if this family right here, this family right here, what if we became known? What if the word on the street was, those people, they're at least honest. Those people realize they don't have it all together and they will pray with each other. They'll pray for each other. And they can just be real with each other. What might happen if we truly started living from a place of honest and open confession? And then we have some powerful healing that only can be attributed to a gracious God. Two things I want to point out and have us be reminded of this morning. One is that the healing of Jesus is in his community. What I've been talking about. Let's look at verse 16 again. It says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. My friends, that's the invitation that we can experience a new and fresh and ongoing healing. And that's not done in isolation. We can experience this when we open up to each other. We can experience this when we confess our sins to one another. And gang, I'll just call a spade a spade. It's time to call a sin a sin. The idea that I "Mm, just messed up or I just had a little bump in the road or no, you and I are sinners. The more specific you can be, the more freeing it will become. David in Psalm 32 said this, when we go on and on with unconfessed sin, we're going to groan just like David. What does this verse say? Verse 32, verse 3, it says, When I kept silent, David said, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Then a couple verses later, then he says, Then I acknowledged my sin. I did not cover up my iniquity. Our bones will groan just like David's. Ann Voskamp, author a lot of people have heard of, she said this was really interesting. And it was really interesting because a friend who has been battling addiction for a long time shared this with me and I thought, you know what? Sometimes those people get some things that some of the rest of us just because of the walk that they've been on. But here's the Ann Voskamp's quote. It says, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. You want freedom? You want freedom from a bondage of sin? We talk about the chains being broken. You want that freedom? Shame dies when you're willing to share that 
with a trusted brother or sister. That's where the Savior is going to love you the most and very tenderly. It's in that place of vulnerability. Really, all we have to be is honest. That's all that the Lord asks of us is for us to be honest. He provides the rest. We don't have to deserve forgiveness because we don't. Here's the kicker. We just have to realize that we need it. The heart of God loves you. God loves you. That's what the cross is all about. So here again is the invitation. Can you imagine a world starting right here as we love our neighbor? Kevin's talked a lot. If you've listened to his sermons on who our neighbor is, it's that real tight circle of 7 to 15. Not very many people. Those are your neighbors. That's who we're going to love. That's who we're going to be vulnerable with. That's who we're going to be honest with. Those are the people that we can start. Can, can you imagine what might happen? Think about the early church. If we want great things to happen in our world, let's start and then see it grow. Start with that vulnerability, with that honesty. What a, what a great picture. What a great picture to see the real you, the real me, coming to Jesus in confession. That's the invitation. And that is also an amazingly powerful witness. People who claim to not have it all figured out. People who together will confess that they are messed up, far from perfect and need help. Coming together in love and in confession, in prayer, in the powerful name of Jesus. Friends, we don't overcome our sins by heroic willpower. We find freedom in honest confession. When you're vulnerable, that's where the freedom comes. And you know what? As I said, it isn't easy. So I'm just encouraging us all to take a baby step. So, for the fourth time, who are you going to call? I'll be even more specific today. Who are you going to text today? Say, can we get together? Interestingly, that's why as a church body, we have talked so much about Sabbathing. That's why we have talked so much, and that's the beauty of this particular group right here. Because you have some unity. You've got to get to know people before you're ready for this level of vulnerability. You can't just walk into and then start sharing your soul. There's got to be some level of confidence in each other and vulnerability and honesty. So that's why, again, maybe the baby step is inviting somebody for lunch and just getting to know them well enough that they can be honest and real with you and you might be able to be the same with them. Friends, in a, in a world that is so connected with technology, isn't it interesting how many of us are lonely? I'm saying to each of us, that doesn't have to be. 
the community that Jesus is offering is one of honesty and loving and caring. Here's the great news. Every one of us can participate in this. We're all sinners. We all qualify. We all have sins to confess. Let me remind us of just a few that James over the last few weeks has talked about. Just in case you think you can't think of any sins you might want to confess, I'll run through a quick list here for you. Listen up. Too much selfish talking, too little selfless talking. Anger, moral filth, favoritism, a lack of generosity, envy, evil practices, slander, grumbling, resentment, judging others, cursing others, evil speech, selfishness, selfish motives, fights and quarrels, boasting, lying, unforgiveness. I think that covers all of us, maybe a couple times over. When we start sharing life, when we start being vulnerable, when we're honest, the beauty of it is that's when we can solicit strength from a brother or a sister, when they pray for us, when they bless us, when they can assure us of God's mercy and his love. It's through a fellow disciple that we know and sense and feel the love of Jesus. Second thing I want to remind us of is that it is the power of Jesus. That's why I love the songs Mike chose this morning. It's the power of Jesus in his community that makes things happen. Let's look at verse 17 and 18. Elijah was a human being. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three, day, three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. The healing power is in Christ alone. Elijah was just a man like us. He wasn't superhuman. We all know of him, but he was just like us. And James' whole point, I think, starts with confession. When we pray the way Elijah prayed, I've got a version of the Bible that talks about how he prayed fervently. That's one of those words you don't use unless you're doing a crossword puzzle. But man, that's how I want to pray for my friends. Pray fervently for my friends. I'll remind you of some of the words of the song that we sang this morning. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Love this verse. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my Power is made perfect in weakness. So what we may perceive as being weak, being vulnerable, being willing to be honest, stepping into and having conversations, real conversations with people with our struggles and where we need somebody to maybe hold us accountable and how we need Jesus. It's in that kind of weakness that Christ, Christ's power becomes evident. So, to lighten the mood a little bit, I'm going to ask one more time, and I was almost tempted to sing the old Ghostbusters song, Who Are You Going to Call? 
but I'm going to ask again. Because I don't know about you guys, I have this great ability when I listen to somebody speak that I am incredibly convicted. But I am not so good at being incredibly action-minded after the fact. I'm always intrigued by what happens in the story after Peter does the sermon in Acts 2, where the people ask, what do we do next? I think it's been pretty obvious. If you're asking yourself that this morning, what I'm encouraging us to do next, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Preston, if you could put those seven words. So here's the deal. Is there anybody that did not pick up one of the blank cards? Brett will help us out. Raise your hand really high. I, I am big on, so if you didn't get one of those cards, if you did, this is where we're going to use them. There's a couple of you, I know a couple of you are lying. I've watched you walk right past them. <laughs> Remember that list of sins? We got, we got some more going on. No. I just want to make sure everybody's got this because I am all about, well, you know, a lot of us teaching people, we talk about sermons in a sentence. Well, this is Brian Vandaloon's sermon in seven bullet points. And here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to literally either take a picture on your phone if you're that kind of a person, or I want you to write these seven down because you probably should have if you've been listening or paying attention at all. These are the seven things that I have hit on and hit on and hit on. Today, we've had an invitation. Today, James is inviting us to do life, to do community differently. Second one is vulnerable. You could put a little backslash by that or in parentheses, however you like to write things, humility would be my other way of saying it, humility. The third one is honest. Fourth, no surprise, confession. Fifth is community. Sixth is power. And seven is healing. So as you finish writing with those, here's what my suggestion is going to be and what I plan to do with my particular card. Put it somewhere where you will see it every day. Whether that's on the mirror in your bathroom, whether that's on your computer screen, maybe in multiple places. But that's not a bad idea. The next time you want to maybe have some community... Now, Oh man, my brain is going all over the place. The next time you feel like you want to have some community online, and we all know how real and honest and forthright and all that is, maybe see those seven words and think, maybe, who am I going to call? Who am I going to call instead of jumping on Twitter? Or who am I going to call instead of giving my opinion on Facebook? Some of you younger people, some of us old people still use some of those mediums, but who am I going to call? So put the sheet, I, I want you to be dead serious intentional over the coming weeks because you know what? Habits don't start easily. Baby step. Put those seven words somewhere just as a reminder. And here's the last thing I want you to do. I want you to do in big letters, write the one or two people that the Holy Spirit maybe has put on your heart that you're going to call. Who's your go-to person that you can be real with, that you can be honest with, that you can confess your sins, that we can walk together with?
Who's that person going to be? A couple of common sense things as I wrap up. Mike, if you guys want to come on up, you guys can come on up at some point here. Gang, if you haven't caught on to this already, I am, I got to just say it. I'll just be bluntly honest. We're not proposing that you shout your sins from the mountaintops. In some cases, that maybe is what needs to happen. But you know what? We're talking about a one-on-one. Maybe you, if there's a couple of people that you are extremely close to, that God has put in your life to walk with. I'm also going to make this suggestion. Guys, talk to guys. Gals, talk to gals. Common sense, but it saves a lot of potential down-the-road problems that could lead to other things. So, as we close our time, Kevin has written a prayer that he's praying in the sanctuary, and I'm going to pray it with us. And it's, it's a prayer that we're going to take some time with. It's a prayer of confession, but it's a prayer of asking for healing as well. So I want you just to kind of settle in and just kind of, as I pray through this with us, I want you to, again, maybe take a baby step of confession. So will you pray with me? Almighty God, Father, Son, and Spirit, I have sinned against you, knowingly and unknowingly, in my thoughts, words, and actions. I've also sinned by what I have left undone. I turn to you, O Lord, my God. I long to sense your presence. Search me and know my heart and my life. Examine my actions, my words, my thoughts. See where I have not lived in your light, your love, your grace, and your truth. Lord, I surrender. I acknowledge, I confess, I long to experience your forgiving, restoring, and healing touch. Lord Jesus, if I have given myself to a a habitual sin and made a home for darkness, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. If I have made a home for sin, Lord, please enter in and remove that which is evil. Come through the front door and dismantle the works of evil in my life. Will you forgive me? Please forgive me for the ways I have willingly sinned against you, against others, against myself. Free me, Jesus, from the powers of my besetting sin. Release me from my addiction. Grant liberty from the hold sin in this particular area. Give me which I cannot see but can only ask for. 
grant me freedom. You say you came to set the captives free. I acknowledge my captivity before you in this besetting sin. God, set this captive. Set me free. I want the abundance of life. I want to taste salvation. I want freedom. Jesus, my good shepherd, please do not leave me in this place. Please remove the power of this habit over me. I want to delight myself in you, but I require your power to remove the house of sin I have built. Destroy addiction. Obliterate besetting sins. Deliver me from any accompanying evil. Release me from its power. Father God, please forgive my perfectionism. Please forgive my selfishness. Please forgive my judgmental and envious attitude. Please forgive my legalism. Please forgive my rigidity. Please forgive my arrogance. Please forgive my lack of love for you, my lack of love for others. Father, please forgive my love of love for myself. Jesus Christ, Please release your healing presence into our lives. Please cover us now with your light, your love, the cross and blood. Father, we feel pain, but we do not understand its origin. Nor do we know how to find relief, so we call on you. Lord, will you be our relief? Lord, will you be our healing? We come to you with little faith. We're asking for help. We're asking for healing based on your compassionate heart. As our creator, please release your compassionate healing energy. Demonstrate your ability to save, heal, free, and deliver. Remake us. Father, we offer ourselves and our lives to you. Enter into our stories through the work of your spirit. Please release your grace. Please express your truth. We wait upon your word. We wait upon you. Glorify your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done in us today as these are done in heaven. Now may the loving hands of Jesus Christ, the great physician, rest upon us. May the cleansing stream of his pure life fill our whole being, body, mind, and spirit, to strengthen us and to heal us. Come, Lord Jesus.